Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, another question, what shall be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And you'll find these three questions asked in Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, and right here in Luke chapter 21. Very interesting. In all three places, Jesus begins to answer the question with verse 8, take heed. Are you looking at verse 8? Take heed. Are you looking at verse 8? Take heed that you do not be what, saints, deceived, for many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ, and the time is near, and don't go after them. And did you know, give me your attention, did you know that in the last 50 to 60 years, there have been approximately 1,500 people who have claimed to be the Messiah? Someone once estimated in Hollywood alone, there are 90 new messiahs a month. Now, these are not in the movies. These are just wackos hanging out on Hollywood Boulevard or Wilshire Boulevard. We've all heard of Sai Baba. We've heard of Rajneesh. We've heard of Jim Jones. We've heard of David Koresh. Have you heard of a guy by the name of Guru Maraji? of the divine light mission. He came on the scene in the early 70s and he started to go sideways in the flesh. So his older brother, true story, his older brother got angry with him and said, you're starting to get in the flesh. You're not the Messiah anymore. I'm going to be the Messiah. He says, you're blowing it. And these guys wind up in court suing each other over the right to be the Messiah. True story. Have you heard of a guy by the name of Rael? who started the Raelian movement in the 70s. He claimed he met an extraterrestrial being in 1973, and he became the Messiah. There was a woman by the name of uh, Namalia Srivastava. She's obviously Indian. And um, she claimed herself, get this, to be the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. In 1972, there was a guy by the name of Samuel who claimed to be the Messiah and that he would rise from the dead. You know what? I find it interesting that all these wackos come out of the 70s. Have you noticed that? I'm telling you, the 70s was an interesting era. They was, they was smoking that sticky icky. Some of y'all are like, sticky icky? What? Harold, what is sticky icky? Sticky icky. Sticky icky is pot. 
It's marijuana. All of them came out of the 70s. Notice in verses 9 through 11, Jesus said, one of the ways, are y'all listening? One of the ways that you will know that you are moving toward the end times is deception. People who will take advantage of God's people. Jesus said, when you hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes, famines, pestilences. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Very interesting that Matthew and Mark tell us that these are the beginning of sorrows or literally in the Greek language, these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, when I say the word birth pains, mommies, you know what I'm talking about. Where my ladies at? Where my mommies at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Birth pains, they just happen whenever they want to happen. Don't they? All of a sudden, you could be dressed up, going to dinner. You and your husband been planning this date y'all ain't had in 10 years. And y'all all all dressed up and pretty, and you you pregnant, and you out to here. And all of a sudden, you're having a nice dinner. You go, oh, birth pain. You think, okay, that's nothing. But then a few minutes later, oh, in a nice restaurant, you being all loud. And then another one, oh! And you go, oh, the baby's coming. I mean, the baby's coming. I remember some years ago, and, and Rodney Jr. Rodney Jr., you know the big person in the cage, in the drum cage? Rodney Jr., when he was born, was 10 pounds some odd ounces. I was in the, the room. Y'all know dads how we're in the room. I'm in the room. Elvira's pushing, and I'm like, push, push, push. I'm like, you ain't pushing hard enough. Push, push. That baby. Okay, so Rodney, he, he, he doesn't want to come out. So he finally comes out, and all I look over, and all I see is a head. Is this TMI? All I see is a head. He had the biggest, fattest head you ever seen. He's a big fat head, still does. And I'm, y'all tell him I said that, I will lie. Oh, wait a minute, it's on CD, I can't, okay. But I looked over and I looked over and I went, boy, that boy got a big old head. It was just hanging out. He was screaming, ah! All I seen his head hanging out, ah! And then he, they started pulling him out and he just kept coming. He kept coming. He was really long and really big. And I looked over at Elvira and I said, honey, I said, I said, you, did, you didn't have a baby. I said, you had a turkey. I'm telling you, when she was done with that boy, she looked like she was in a fight. Elvira had two black eyes. I said, sweetie, you look bad. Roddy would not, and he would not come out. I'm like... He, he was due on this day. He would not come out. Elvira was 10 pounds. She was huge. She was gorgeous. <laughs> I'm going on record. She was gorgeous. I mean, she really was gorgeous. I mean, skin flawless. Hair, she kept getting cut. It kept growing long. And because, you know, I think boys make, make ladies really, really pretty. That's just my thing. And girls will... Anyways, and um, but but she, I mean, he, she was just gorgeous, but she was out to here. You mean she coming around the corner? You could see her stomach come before she get in the room. She was huge. I'll never forget we were standing together and t- her stomach. She was out to here. Some of y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. 
And I was drinking something. We were at a little party, and I just put my cup on her stomach. That's wrong, isn't it? That's just wrong. But she was, she was, Rodney wouldn't come out. And, and we're getting frustrated because he's due and he's past the due date. I said, look, Elvira, we got to do something to get this boy out of here. I said, we got stuff to do. We got to get this boy out of here. I said, so what we're going to do is let's go down to the beach. Now, in Oceanside, California, we were. They had anybody been to Oceanside? Okay, so none of y'all. And, uh, and, uh, but they have these steps, and they're like on a 90-degree angle, and there's probably like 2,000 of them that go down to the beach area. I said, honey, we're going to go walk the steps down at the beach. I said, we're going to go down. She said, I ain't walking nobody's steps. So next thing you know, we stand there at the steps. I'm going like, come on, let's go. So we go down the steps. We go down the steps. And, you know, we come up the steps, up the steps. She going, ain't nothing happening. I'm like, that boy got to come up out of there. We got stuff to do. She get up to the top of the steps. Ain't nothing happening. Sure enough, she went into labor the very next day. It did help. But, but, but she said, I'm going to kill you. And, uh, and, and so, and, and, but, but, but he was just a big boy, but the birth pangs, I mean, you know that something is about to take place, but you often, isn't it interesting how you often forget about the sorrow and the pain after you have a baby, you have the baby, it's like painful. You're like, I'm never doing that again. The day you have the baby, but give it a couple of weeks, you go, somebody say, are you going to have another? Well, we don't know. We thinking about it. Y'all women, something else. When he, that day you had that baby, you like, you talk to me about it, I'll knock your teeth down. Don't talk to me about another baby. Three weeks later, oh, we don't know. He's just so wonderful. I mean, we just, because you forget about the sorrow and the pain. Jesus is saying everything that he just mentioned, listen, are you listening, are just labor pains. The world is laboring right now, waiting to give birth. Do you know, listen, Romans tells us that creation groans, waiting for its redemption. The way that you see the trees, the grass, the dirt, the birds, the flowers, this is not what God intended. Creation itself is groaning, waiting until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom and and to establish a new heaven, a new earth. We are groaning in our bodies today. We are waiting for the Lord to come and to give us a new body, the trials and the tribulations and the things that we go through. God did not intend it to be this way, but one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Are you happy about it? Wherein dwelleth righteousness and, and he'll make all things the way that they are supposed to be. So those labor pains are false messiahs, wars, and commotions. You know, somebody once recorded that throughout history, only 8% of history's civilization, of, the, of civilization has been a time of peace, only 8%. But there's been an escalation in war in our country, unlike every other country. Did you know? That there have been more victims of war in the 20th century than all the victims of war in other centuries combined? Some time ago, a group of Russians did a study to determine the amount of conflict over history. And they said in the 12th century, there were 2,678 recorded conflicts. In comparison to the first 25 years of the 20th century, there were 12,835 recorded conflicts. In just the first 25 years 
of the 20th century, there's been 12,835 recorded conflicts. Look at verse 10. Nation's going to rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I recently read a poll that revealed that one of the highest causes of stress among young adults and teenagers is nuclear war. Because people are storing up rice, storing up guns and beans. Nobody trusts each other anymore. Nobody knows if Iran will just push a button at any time. This is a very real, there's a very real possibility that somebody could decide to push a button at any time. Do you understand that? Did you know that one ICBM, ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, is armed with the warhead of 100 megatons. One 100 megaton warhead on one missile has more destructive power than all the destructive power used in World War II from both sides combined. Is that interesting? If one ICBM exploded in Ohio, the blast would burn your eyes 300 miles away. And if you wouldn't, and you wouldn't be able to live in that area for hundreds of years after the explosion. Look at verse 11. Then there was a great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there, was, there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. It's estimated that one third of the world is well fed. One third of the world is well fed. That's you. That's me. One third of the world just gets by and is poorly fed. One-third of the world is starving to death. It is reported that 30 people die every minute of starvation. Today, listen to me, today, half the children in the world will go to bed hungry. Think about that. Half the children in the world will go to bed hungry. And we're worried about the Xbox, and we're worried about PlayStation, and we're worried about, don't misunderstand me, nothing wrong with these things, but U.S. people, people in America, where is, are our priorities? We're all caught up in Christmas and making sure every package is packaged right and every bow is put on it right, and, and yet there are people in the world who are starving to death. There are children in the world, half the children in the world will go to bed hungry. And yeah, you know, I wish I could do something about that. I really do. And yes, I have a passion for, for India. I made no apologies about that. I didn't give myself that passion. The Lord did. And I know that I can't feed everybody in the world. And I know that I can't save everybody in the world. I wish I could, but I can't. But I can do what I can do. And you can do what you can do. Amen? Right? right? That's right. We can do what we can do. Half the children in the world will go to bed tonight hungry. Interesting. Uh, 10,000 people died today of starvation. In the U.S., we throw enough food away to feed a family of six in India. Think about that. $17. billion of a year of food is thrown away. Think about that. I mean, you, you, you have been a golden corral. 
I used to go to Golden Crow all the time. Like every week I used to go to, every week we used to have a family meeting and go and cry. Love the rolls. Any of my roll people? Love the rolls. Go to go and cry all the time. Until I'm standing at the, at the meat bar where they cut the, the turkey. I mean, the, what did they cut? They cut roast beef. I ain't been there so long. They still cutting roast beef? Whatever. I'm standing there and the kitchen door is right there. And when they open the kitchen door, and I saw what was on the floor. That was my last time eating at Golden Corral. I mean, it was like, if you ever go in one of those kitchens, it's disgusting. I mean, it's, like, it's almost like they put his stuff back in the pan and put it out there. I don't know. For y'all Golden Corral fans, you'll probably never go there again after this service. But $17. billion a year of food. Look, that money of thrown away, food thrown away, that can go toward the deficit. I mean, that is a lot of money. The average dog consumes more, than pro, more, more protein than most people. While we sit down to dinner, 400 people will starve to death. When we wake up in the morning, there are 203,000 additional mouths to feed. 460 million people are on the brink of starvation. And then notice famine on the heels of war. Why? Because a lot of reasons. Number one, if you're taking notes, the increase in oil prices. Countries that are on the brink of starvation can't afford fertilizer or fuel to keep the machines going. Number two, pollution. Acid rain produce a poor quality of food. We know that there is less nutritional value in food grown today than 30 years ago. And that's why people get fatter today eating food, because the food is less nutritional for you. And also because nutritious for you and also because we are a more sedentary culture. We sit at our computers. Most of our jobs are sitting down. Well, 30, 40, 50 years ago, people were moving about and people were walking places and people were riding their bikes places and people had to move. Well, nowadays we just sit at a computer. We're more sedentary. So people are gaining more weight. Because they don't move as much as they should. And then number three, population. From the beginning of history till 1850, there was approximately one billion people on earth. From 1850 to 1930, we've added another billion. That's two billion. From 1930 to 1960, we've added another billion. That's three. From 1960 to 1975, brought us to four billion. From 1975 to current Another billion, that's five billion. It is estimated that there are 5.6 billion people on the planet today. A shortening of time in producing, birthing more people. By the end of 2000, it is estimated that there will be 8 billion people on the earth. Think about the problems you'll have feeding all of these people. That sounds like bad news, doesn't it? But I will tell you something. Here is the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ is coming again someday. Is that right? Is that right? Are you happy about it? The good news is that Jesus is coming to get coming someday. The good news is we can look at all of these things. Listen to me. I'm coming in for a landing. All of these things are birth pains. Pains. They are indicators 
that Jesus is coming soon. And people say, oh, well, they've been talking about Jesus is coming soon for 100 years, 200 years. Yes, they have been. But listen, a very key factor in the return of Jesus Christ is the nation of Israel. Israel is God's timepiece as it relates to his coming and, uh, and the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Jesus could not come according to the scriptures until the nation of Israel had become a nation again. And then Jesus, then things will be set up and Jesus could come back. So prior to May 14th, 1948, Israel was not a nation. They became a nation again on May 14th, 1948. And from there, Bible prophecy now can be fulfilled and we can expect the return of Jesus Christ. Now, we talk about Bible prophecy and people get all like, oh, Bible prophecy, who can understand it? Listen, it's not that hard to understand. It's very simple. The Bible says, first of all, are you listening? The church believers are going to be raptured. The word rapture means to be caught up. It means to be snatched violently away. We are going to be caught up, the Bible says. The Bible says the trumpet is going to sound, and then the dead in Christ shall rise, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord, the bride, meeting the bridegroom in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Meanwhile, back on earth, not trying to say, not trying to use bad language, but all hell will break loose on the earth as the seven years of tribulation begins. At the end of the seven year tribulation, Jesus is going to set up his, his, his kingdom, a thousand year reign of Christ where he will reign in righteousness. He will reign with a rod of iron. At the end of a thousand years, the Bible says the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist, death and hell will be cast into hell. Think about that. Hell will experience its own hell will be cast into hell. After that, Jesus will set up a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, and there is the whole book of Revelation, period. If you are not ready, that's why when a preacher tells you, when I'm telling you, I believe it with my heart, that Jesus could come at any moment. The rapture of the church is in place. And Jesus could come at any moment. And if you're not ready, then you will be left here on the earth for the seven-year tribulation. The Bible tells us that Jesus even knows the last Gentile. Anybody listening? Jesus knows the last Gentile to be saved. And when the last Gentile on the earth gives their life to Jesus, the rapture of the church will take place right after that. Now, maybe you're here today and you're that last Gentile. And you never made a commitment to Christ. Would you please get saved because you're holding us up? You're holding us up. Jesus knows the last Gentile to be saved. And then the rapture of the church will take place. He could come back at any moment. I believe it with my heart. Things are set up just like you see the clouds in the air. It's black and you know it's about the rain. Now we see that kingdom against kingdoms, nations against nations, wars and famines and pestilence and HIV. They can't find a cure for HIV. They can't find a cure for cancer. Billions of dollars are being spent and they can't find a cure. Too many things. You got to be an ostrich with your head in the sand for you not to be able to see that there are too many things that are lining up 
biblically that says that God's word is true and every man is a liar. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. God's word is true. And if God's word is true, then you need to be saved. Because he's coming again. And you want to be ready. You don't, you're like, well, if he comes and I get left in the tribulation, well, then I'll just get saved during the tribulation. Listen, bro, sister, you don't want to be here during the tribulation. Somebody say amen. You read Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Skip 1 through 5. Because that don't apply to you. 6 through 19, that applies to you. You read it. You don't want to be here. You don't want none of this. You don't. You want to give your life to Jesus so that if he comes on your way home and he raptures the church, you will be caught up together with the church to meet the Lord in the air. And then we'll have a box seat as we look down at the earth and see all that's going on. And it's sad, but it's going to happen. I believe it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.